Welcome to Hit The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and um, I definitely didn't just run to throw myself in the seat right before Jesse showed up for this podcast. And speaking of him, my friend, co-host, and the man, I'm going to say no, 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 yes to Jesse. How you doing, Jesse? Son of a gun. Stole my joke. Uh, <clears throat> doing fine. Uh I don't think I'm going to be any town's marshal anytime soon, but uh, <laughs> otherwise I'm cool. Yeah. Uh, and ex- are, uh, are you plans in the near future to become an exquisite uh, culture around entirely fighting and being awesome? I mean, the being awesome part, I could take a crack at the fighting aspect might be kind of rough for me, but we can give it a shot and see what happens. Great. Well, uh, I think that's going to roll us right into what we're talking about. Um, first off, uh, this is our first episode of the month of May, and we're also recording it on May 4th. So, Jesse, uh, may the 4th be with you. And with you. Uh, did you use that joke today at work and annoy a bunch of people who don't like Star Wars? <laughs> uh, actually, um, my boss, uh, we went on a trip a while back, I think I talked about it, where we went to Disney uh, Land for uh, for research. It, it was for a work trip, but while we were there, of course, I wanted to go to Galaxy's Edge because a huge Star Wars fan. Mm. Um, I can't recommend it enough. It is one of the most impressive pieces of um, immersion theater I've ever been a part of. Like you you're in Disneyland, right? It's got all the other stuff. And then you walk through portions of it and it's impressive the amount of effort they put into it in comparison to how little effort is in to Avengers campus. Uh, but that's not the topic. Um, but you walk in and you like, you, you literally get transport. It, what feels like you get transported into uh, a star Wars set. And there's there's a point to this uh in the reference to the work thing so i, I you know i built a lightsaber uh which was a very interesting experience loved it a lot we went on a bunch of the rides we did a bunch of things but actually at one point there's uh the cantina which when we were in there uh one of the workers was just like don't think of this as a bar think of this as a ride where you get to get drunk which was a very nice way of saying they don't have bathrooms um and while standing in line, somebody behind us was talking with somebody else as they were passing, and they're like, oh, what's this? And they're like, they're like, oh, it's a cantina. And they're like, oh, yeah, what kind of food do they serve? And they're like, Mexican food. And <laughs> we were like, as we were listening to this, we're like, no, they don't. <laughs> it's, it's called a cantina. They don't just serve Mexican food. Um, so my boss or my director got us all hoodies from their cantina that say, may the fourth be with you, uh, 2023, which was really nice of them. Um, and so we wore that and a bunch of people were like, are you guys like in a, some sort of star Wars gang today or something? And <laughs> other people were like, Oh, it's, Oh, may the fourth be with you. Cute. Fun. So that was my day of work. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I think it's cool that you got to, actually go to galaxy's edge and spend some time there it's on yeah the bucket list for sure yeah and uh I, I i can't recommend it enough i definitely actually if you are a 
uh, fan of the topic we're actually going to talk about today. Um, Galaxy's, Ed uh, Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland is actually a place you should go because the one, in, from, my, from my understanding, the one in Florida does not have these characters at it because of the quote-unquote timeline that the place is set in. They do have their own Galaxy's Edge, but it's because of the the, the, the cruise ship theme it's like set in a different time period than the one in California. Hmm. So if you ever wanted to go and see uh, Mando and Grogu, baby Yoda in real life, walking around galaxy's edge, you have to go to the one in California, which is what we're going to talk about this episode. Mandalorian season three. That's good to know. I, I always hate that they do different attractions like that in the different states where the parks are, but I guess they got to get your money with multiple visits somehow. But yeah, so. I digress. Yeah. Mandalorian season three, man. Um, this was a long time coming. I believe season two aired before COVID. And while we have seen some of these characters pop up and other things since then, we have not seen, Jin Jaren's story continued uh, with him as the main protagonist for quite some time. So, um, I don't know about that, Jesse. There was a period of time where he took over that other Mandalorian-based show, The Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> I mean, his own, his own story. <laughs> <laughs> um, it suffice to say, we'll do our usual thing here. Uh, non-spoilers for season three but if you have not watched any of the mandalorian you might want to hop out here and go watch those unless i mean i can't imagine why else you would be here unless you don't care about having things spoiled for you if you haven't seen it so it's your funeral but otherwise we'll touch on you know our general thoughts but uh there might be some spoilerish stuff for uh everything preceding this um I like season three. Uh, what do we always say? Star Wars is like pizza. This was a satisfying pizza. It wasn't the most, uh, let's say, the most uh, unique or gourmet style pizza. I didn't feel maybe like I was getting a classic New York slice here, but it might have been a familiar chain of pizzas uh, from here in the Denver area that I enjoy, which is to say that I think season three is fun. Uh, it is a crowd pleasing season. I don't think it's particularly daring in its narrative or in the events that take place, um, but it was fun. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think it definitely It had its moments. It was fun at times. I feel like overall it kind of season three is kind of lost its core. I don't want to say heart because I still think it was really it was there. But the season one, season two had much more of that. kind of those the, those throwbacks to like original star wars stuff that uh the uh, the western the samurai movie 
um, and specifically around, you know, kind of the blend of the reconstruction Westerns of like Clint Eastwood, um, mm -hmm. those types of things, as well as some of the spaghetti Western type feels of the, the, the more romanticized parts of the Western era. And this one just kind of felt like a sci-fi adventure series at points, which kind of, which made me a little sad because I really enjoyed the, the feel of that, you know, Western samurai in space uh, type that the season one and season two had. So to be clear, still loved it, still watched every episode, you know, was very excited for the like, oh, what are we going to do this week? What's going to happen? What's going on? Is it going to be a continuation? Is it going to be a little side story that kind of jumps off to the side and then comes back to the main stuff? I really enjoyed mm -hmm. it because it was still, a, you know, space adventure, but it just made me sad because then the music started playing and I was like, this feels much more like Western music and you just spent the last, you know, uh, last episode showing me a sci-fi adventure story. So, yeah. No, that's that's a good point, and I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't really think about stylistically that that was more absent, but I think you hit the nail on the head there, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I think it, it remains curious to me from a decision-making aspect that they chose to resolve the cliffhanger in the finale of season two within the book of Boba Fett. Um, it's just, it's still pretty bizarre to me. I know there's a lot of nerds like you and I, Michael, who consume every single Star Wars release on Disney Plus and will continue to do so. So we're in the know. But not everybody does that. Um, there are probably some fans or more casual viewers who maybe only tuned in to The Mandalorian because of its very positive word of mouth that it received for the first two seasons. And maybe haven't watched the book about Boba Fett or been tuning in to all the other Star Wars content. So anyone in that boat who starts off season three is probably going to be a little confused because they're going to think this isn't where we left off at the end of season two. What the hell did I miss? And I get it. Like, you know, we have these connected universes now everywhere in all of our media. And that's just kind of how these big franchises operate. But it's still, it's still kind of weird to me that Favreau and, company chose to make that decision um not that it really had any huge bearing on this season but it probably would have played out differently in some ways if they hadn't done that so i don't know i i just think that was still kind of a, a curious way to go about things yeah i that was something i wanted to bring up and i'm happy you're you started it here mm -hmm. um i actually was talking same director uh, at work where we were discussing um, they had asked me they're like hey did you have you seen Mando season three because we had talked about it you know previously and everything and I was just like yeah and it's I was like except the fact that if you didn't watch the book Boba Fett like the end of season two you're gonna be so confused 
And they were like, oh, yeah. Now that you say that, I did watch the book of Boba Fett. And I watched The Mandalorian. And I was like, yeah, of course, like Grogu is back with him. But you make a good point that at the end of the last season, like. There's nothing like they, they it ends with, you know, sorry, spoilers for <laughs> season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, it ends with uh, Grogu going off with Luke to become a Jedi. And then mm-hmm. you start season three and Grogu's back and isn't a Jedi. And this is where I feel like potentially the the Disney company is starting to do the same thing they're doing with uh, the Marvel stuff where you have to watch every single thing to be able to get stuff. And I feel like that's not that. I just don't think that's a great way to go for stuff like this. I like the idea of the end of Andor where you learn where we learn what he was building actually as part of the death star, like things like that. I feel like are much easier to consume. You don't need to have watched everything religiously to understand that they're made. Like this is a giant, giant space station. That's probably not good. Mm-hmm. You've seen the movie. You've seen star Wars, you know, maybe once or twice, you're not a huge fan. And then you are in a relationship with somebody who's a huge fan and they watch and, or, and they, there's that moment. At least you can be like, Oh, that's that giant death laser thingy. Okay. Mm-hmm. But a major plot point is Grogo leaving in season two and then like feeling like season three is just like, hey, guess what? We off panel, we solved that problem if you didn't watch the book of Boba Fett. So it's yeah. just a weird choice for me, not or a weird choice. I feel like they did both in the book of Boba Fett and then here where they didn't really address it like there was no like. Hey, Grogu, happier training with us, not becoming a Jedi anymore because, you know, you went off with Luke and now you're here with us because we did that thing with Boba Fett. Cool, cool, cool. No. Pew, pew, pew. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think you should have to consume every single entry within a massive franchise like Star Wars or like Marvel in order to experience an entire singular story set within that universe and the mandalorian very much was its own thing for the first two seasons and then they not only branched him out but as you said took a pretty critical plot point from the end of that season two and then it was resolved almost like if a character had died off screen but then was fine at the beginning of season three you know and like, hey, you know, he's back. Don't don't worry about it. He was here the whole time. Um, so it's I don't think you should have to watch everything in order to just if all you like is the Mandalorian, you should just be able to watch season by season of the Mandalorian and get that full story without being left in the dark. So I don't agree with that choice, but you know, it, it kind of is what it is at this point. Yeah. It's interesting but it's kind of a it's kind of a star wars thing as a whole too like you have all these trilogies and you know series and all these different parts of what is now the canon that you can consume (laughs) if you want to and yet oftentimes in order to get the full 
scope of a particular character's backstory or the events that led into a you know specific conflict or what have you you have to watch like this other series or read this book over here or all these other things so it's it's kind of a star wars problem as a whole in terms of the canon there's too many different things propping you know different movies or or, or tv shows up and it's just kind of weird yeah it is very yeah it's just weird to me that they made that choice i mean it is nice that they were able to tell more stories because of it i you know to get kind of get into this season i don't think there was too many episodes where i was like wow that was a real stinker uh no it was no pretty breezy it was watchable yeah so i I, you know as much as i don't i think for storytelling conventions it kind of didn't really fit or flow i do think that this structure that they had or that this allowance they were given allowed for them to move the story forward much faster um but yeah it's it's an interesting choice to say the least yeah so that you know and we knew that going in that like wasn't a surprise or anything um but it was still in the back of my mind kind of weird then once you get going in this season i mean like i said every episode is you know fairly engaging things move at a pretty brisk pace we have familiar characters that we like uh one particular character from season one and two who is not here anymore uh and then uh a bunch of other you know characters coming together uh for a common cause but uh i thought overall while i was engaged throughout and i certainly wasn't bored or you know regretting watching this season i did feel it was pretty neatly wrapped overall uh conflicts were resolved fairly quickly the good guys the protagonist and his allies did not face a great number of obstacles and as a result i felt the stakes that were there and the tension that that was there even though it was portrayed as being i think more insurmountable than you know it appeared to be was ultimately just kind of left me with a sense of I kind of got off easy (laughs) this season (laughs) overall like it didn't seem like they were ever in really in that much peril overall which that's Star Wars sometimes Um, we'll talk about that more when we do more episodes about you know this franchise in the month of May but I did feel that uh, yeah it was it was pretty neatly wrapped overall yeah, I do feel like I have to agree with you, man. I feel like there was times where, I was, where even Mando was captured uh, a few times. Not huge spoiler, um, you know. It, 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 I didn't feel worried for him at all. Like zero points where I was like, "Oh no, what's going to happen to him?" At no point I had that feeling, and it's kind of sad because it. <laughs> with without feeling like there was any sort of real danger or risk to him what was the point of like that entire moment and yeah yeah 
it was unfortunate many times where it's just like, okay, cool. He now we're doing this and Oh, and he's out. Okay, cool. That was 30 seconds of caring. <laughs> now star Wars seems to have a couple of different gears that it operates in a one being stories where, wow, they're, very much is a lot at stake and it is very character and narrative driven and we constantly find our heroes in situations where you know we don't know that they're necessarily going to be okay in the end and you know sometimes they aren't and then the other end of the spectrum is well this is just going to be you know fun fantasy space opera with, you know, some jokes here and there, and then some lighthearted content there. But you're never really going to be that fearful for anyone. You're kind of just here to have a good time for a little bit and then move on with your day. And I felt this was more of the latter than the former. Uh, again, that is satisfying pizza, but definitely one that I feel like I've had before. One I would go back to, but you know, nothing that I would probably go out of my way to consume you know, right after this or anything. It's worth the watch if you love the if you love season one, if you love season two, it's definitely worth that. But it just kind of feels like part of it has lost heart. In the, like I said, it's kind of lost its core. Still fun and great, but just slightly sad. Yep, and with that, I would concur with your recommendation. Definitely worth watching, but I think I've kind of danced around the spoilers <laughs> as much as I can, Michael, unless you have something you wanted to add. Uh, I don't think so. I think this is, I think, I think getting into spoilers now is the, the last thing we can do. <laughs> yeah. So spoiler wise, was that Jack Black in one episode? It, it was Jack Black in one episode, <laughs> and uh, uh, and the 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 one that Lindsay was very excited about was um, what's her face? Uh, Lizzo, right? Lizzo, yeah, yeah. Which I saw the internet get real mad about. Yeah, I'm very glad I have kind of gone dark on most social media outside of <laughs> skimming Instagram here and there. But uh, I don't, yeah, it, it that was a fun surprise. I don't think it's anything worth getting mad about. It's just, you know, one of those weird Star Wars things where a couple of famous people show up. Um, Christopher Lloyd was also in that episode. Yeah, I mean, he was, I loved him. He was, a, uh, he was a separatist, which was <laughs> unexpected. Yeah, fun and interesting to throw in there. Um, clearly, you know, political parties are still not done in the in the uh, galaxy far, far away. So, yeah. And it was, I think, another instance where I, I enjoyed that episode. I had fun. Um, they kind of hinted, you know, some of these, you know, issues that may be bigger problems than meets the eye, but it seemed like they were able to resolve that pretty quickly. And Christopher Lloyd got arrested and <laughs> he did not go back to the future. And, and then that was kind of that. 
Um, and that was just kind of the really the trend for the season as a whole. Anytime they presented something, especially in terms of this idea of uniting these Mandalorian clans back together in order to become whole again and retake their home planet of Mandalore, which no tall order given, you know, how decrepit that, that planet is at this point. It was almost, you know, just like they were trying to make it sound like it was going to be a bigger deal than it was. And then like everything got resolved pretty quickly. Like, I don't know if they felt kind of rushed in this season to wrap up storylines so they could be at a certain place before their upcoming content that they have in the works. But everything seemed like any obstacle or conflict was overcome fairly easily and pretty quickly. Yeah. Almost instantaneously. Yeah. Instantaneously. Um, making a big deal out of these two separate clans, you know, death watch. And I forget what the other clan is called, but, uh, uh, that they hate each other, that they do not see eye to eye and their ideology and what it means to be a Mandalorian, that they didn't really have that many problems once they came together amongst themselves. They got along surprisingly well. So it was just stuff like that overall that I kind of felt like we were moving through these for the sake of being at a certain point by the end of the season and not necessarily in service to the characters or, you know, making a compelling story. Yeah. It, <sighs> this one I felt like, and this is something I was enjoying was the side story stuff, the whole, um, story about the scientist was very interesting to me. Um, I really liked kind of, uh, and this is, and this is why I liked Endor, and this is why I'm liking the Mandalorian is because we're seeing outside of the Jedi's, we're seeing stories about this fantastical world, and we're getting to look into what the Repub the New Republic, is like. What is happening? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And there's like bureaucracy and there's struggle and there's strife and that's what makes this fun and engaging to me and then even the stuff with Bo-Katan being there just kind of becoming a, a whole new level of integral part of this story is still fun and interesting because it tells us a little bit more about the Mandalorian culture and what it takes what it's going to take to bring all these clans together, which like you pointed out kind of was just like, Oh, they did one knife fight on a boat and now they're good. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it was very fun. Um, to, to, to be taken along on this venture, even though many times I didn't feel like there was any real threat. Uh, there was only very minor moments of like, Oh, what's going to happen but they got resolved so quickly either in the next episode or even in the same episode. I just was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like that didn't, that apparently that didn't actually matter. Okay. We're, we're moving on. Cool. 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 Yeah. It was 
it was just very it was very brisk I, I appreciate that it didn't necessarily linger on things for too long maybe we were this is the result of you know some of what marvel has been going through in terms of well we gotta just crank it out even if because <laughs> maybe they would have had an additional season at this point if not for covid we just got to keep cranking it out um regardless and you know we have to be here because we have to be at this certain point because ahsoka is coming out this year um dave filoni has you know more stories after that in live action that are on the way so we can't linger or you know take our time here because we have to have a certain endpoint in order to meet where those other stories need to pick up from so I don't know. It it was kind of jarring throughout. Um, to your point, though, I mean, there were you know some definite high points. Um, the episode on Coruscant with the former scientist from the Empire who specialized in cloning, who is now essentially a prisoner of the New Republic, even though that's not what they're calling it, but <laughs> that's what it looked like to me. Um, you know, and him trying to find his his place in this new world and how, you know, he seemingly gets an olive branch from somebody he thinks he can trust and winds up being betrayed by that person. Um, and his mind is real wacko now after what she did to him. Yeah. Guy. But I um, melted, right? Yeah. 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 The. What I liked about that, too, is he objected to that and the Republic officer was like, oh, no, it's it's not the same. It's definitely not as bad as what the Empire used it for. And I liked this idea of, you know, another system of power rising up in the wake of the fall of the Empire and this concept of you know any system where they are relentlessly shackled and hindered by bureaucracy even if they have good intentions is still going to have some of the same drawbacks that the empire did and it's still going to present a particular form of evil even if their intentions are good and that's to me you know i think star wars does this very well when you know it allows itself to dig in and take a moment to reflect on things like you know what war actually does to society and there's not really all an all good and all evil side here a lot of this is shrouded in gray and you kind of see that represented in this uh, this new republic that they're trying to build, but how many people are they actually helping here who need it? Yeah, and I think it's an interesting parallel um, with that. In the in Andor, there's that um, officer who gets like kind of kicked out of the republic, uh, the empire yeah. like, security thing, and then you see a, there's a bureaucracy. And he's sitting at a desk doing 
whatever at that weird computer thing where you have to like look back and forth and you sit it was very it does not seem ergonomic um or uh, some site uh potentially some chiropractic nightmare but then you see the scientists uh having to do effectively the same thing and i loved that imagery of being like oh the republic the the new republic or you know the this this new political structure is just an, another political structure yes it might not be quote unquote evil in the you know capital uh, capital e type way but it's still a governmental bureaucracy and there's still like sh shadows of the empire lingering and infecting and corrupting the new system the like you like you said the guy's like oh no we're not using it like the empire did it's like you're still wiping this dude's memory like that's still pretty dark guys <laughs> like maybe not the best image but you know it's not something they're broadcasting and that's only one story and it's one episode but it's still really good and then it sets us up for that character later and we know to be suspicious of that other um, ref quote unquote reformed imperial agent who then we find out also um, is just in league with Moff Gideon. So yeah, who's not dead, not dead. And he, to be fair, he wasn't killed off at the end of season two or even implied mm -hmm. be dead. They just were being pretty ambiguous about, is he on trial? Is he in jail? Is he not on trial? Is he picking up trash on the side <laughs> of a, a highway in Coruscant somewhere? Um, they they didn't. They were not very clear on any of that. I thought it was a little interesting um, when the Republic pilot is doing reconnaissance on that uh, derelict uh, prison ship. I guess we'll call it um, that is just kind of left in the, in the middle of open space there. And then he sees the, uh, remind me what the Mandalorian armor is made of. Uh, Bestcar. Bestcar. Yeah. He's, he sees a, a shard and he's like, oh, well that's Bestcar. So it's implied that Mandalorians maybe broke this guy out. And to me, that was kind of intriguing because I thought, oh, well, Bo-Katan's old crew is going around and pretty much just being bounty hunters and mercenaries. So were they paid to go and, you know, break out Moff Gideon? And is that now going to cause problems between the New Republic and the Mandalorians? And is there going to be this sort of political divide now towards uh, Jen Jaren and his Mandalorian brethren, whereas things were kind of looking like relations were improving. Um, and so I thought that was potentially intriguing. And then they just kind of went, nope, Moff Gideon just has his own <laughs> car armor and his own super factory on Mandalore that he's been building in secret for who knows how long. And he also has clones because that's always the perfect plan is to make clones of yourself. Which, I mean, they were following up on, you know, why he was interested in Grogu in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, but to me that I just kind of felt like, well, you're not really doing anything new with Gideon here. This is kind of tried and true territory. And 
sort of regurgitating, you know, his entire plan from the first two seasons when he had already been defeated once. So I also like the fact that he's just like, I'm going to, I'm so much better than the emperor. I'm going to do this thing, which is just kind of funny because in the extended universe stuff, like the emperor's coming back as a clone, like every other, you know, day. Um, And (laughs) it's also not that original either, because that's literally the exact same plan, except for the force sensitive stuff, because the emperor was already force sensitive. But that's exactly what we get in the, the last three movies. So I wonder if that was supposed to be kind of like a joke of like, he's not even all that original. He's like, I've become so much better because I'm going to clone myself and give myself Jedi powers. And also I'm going to wear best car armor because it's dumb that Jedis don't wear best car armor. And <laughs> here are my dark troopers who are not robots anymore because I realized that was a bad plan and they got easily defeated. So now they're like Mandalorians and, best of car armor and yeah it was (laughs) yeah um it was not the most original uh, evil scheme to say the least but (laughs) uh, star wars is formulaic by nature you see a lot of these same plots repeated but i think when you have an actor of the caliber of john carlo esposito as your antagonist it's just wasted potential to not give him something more compelling because the idea of him fracturing the Mandalorians in the middle and kind of pitting them against each other, like that's tragic when things are looking kind of rosy for them for once. And instead we went the formulaic route. He gets incinerated. I think he's dead now. (laughs) I would be surprised if he came back from that, but you never know. Um, At least his red guards actually did something. So he has that leg up on the emperor whose red guards left his throne room and were never seen again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I was hoping for something more if they were going to bring Gideon back and to get, you know, kind of same old same old was like it was it was fine but it was not not the the most original idea nor i think the best way to uh use the actor that they cast in that role yeah i mean that man can choose scenery and i would demand more um and i just felt like he didn't really get those opportunities it just kind of felt like you said samey samey and it's sad because you know but he has that caliber he has that ability uh but i want to talk about the kind of some of the other episodes uh jesse specifically like the 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 foundling one um where we kind of see a bit of grogu's flashbacks to um i i uh, I really love the whole fact that we see that grogu has this like legitimate trauma around order 66 and how he got away from the jedi temple and the entire rescue of his was very interesting the fact that it was brought on by the the armorer 
beating in the forge and working with metal and Grogu having that PTSD flashback to that experience that we then get to see and experience and see how he got away. And I love the fact that they brought back um, uh, Amen, Amend uh, Best, who was... <laughs> who I, I think is now getting kind of some redemption, which is super great, but was originally the Jar Jar Binks actor and got a lot of flack for that, um, which is, you know, kind of bad. It wasn't his fault that the character sucked. Um, <laughs> but I feel like he's since gone on to, I mean, he's repri reprised his role in a lot of different things um, as Jar Jar Binks, but also from my understanding, he has come up with this Jedi master. They've, developed this Jedi master character for him that he's also been on like uh star Wars Jedi temple challenge, which was like some sort of hidden temple, uh, kid, uh, survivor challenge type thing. Um, which okay. is really, which is really fun. And like that, that's like cool to see that this, this actor who had gotten so much flack. And I think if I'm looking at his filmography, that's like his first role. Like his first really big role that he had was Jar Jar Binks. I and, mean, Star yeah. Wars fans ruining an actor's life is nothing new. I don't know that Jake Lloyd has ever recovered from Phantom Menace. I mean, true. I don't think so either. I think he's, yeah, unfortunately not been able to really come back. But this guy like went off and was Jar Jar Binks and people hated him. And then he, you know, kind of did some other stuff. But then, you know, coming back as this character and he gets, it has this like slight redemption, which was amazing. I loved seeing that. And I think it was a very pinnacle point in Grogu's story to showcase and tell us because I was curious how he got away. And I feel like it lends more like Naboo and their armed forces. Like that's a Naboo ship that they leave in. Like, yeah, and those what, were Naboo guards. Helping, right. Yeah. You know? So, like, what does that mean? Is Naboo, like, what, how was Naboo supporting them? Was they, were they one of the pinnacle, or, sorry, God, were they one of the uh, central locations for the Force-sensitive uh, Jedi avoiding the Empire um, areas? Like, what does that mean for that story? And I'm interested to see, will we get to meet this master again will we get to see grogu go back to naboo and maybe potentially revisit some places that he also we can get a little bit more about his story because i'm very curious on what happened for him we have to keep in mind that i could be wrong I, you know i'm as big a fan as i am i'm certainly no historian when it comes to star wars lore but I mean, the Mandalorian was the first time I, you know, knew about Grogu. So I didn't know about any of his backstory or where he came from, or was he trained as a Jedi? Was he at the temple? Did he just have these abilities? And you know, people are using that for you know their own nefarious means. But no, he, as you said, that he does have you know, along with a lot of other characters who are alive at the end of the clone wars you know a, a pretty tragic backstory that stems from that and so that's interesting um i hope they expand on that that's also been a while ago now and he still is this small and can't talk so 
how much longer is it going to be before he can actually, you know, speak and uh, take the the Mandalorian pledge or wh- whatever it is? They might need might need a well, few more seasons. <laughs> well, I mean, Yoda lived to be what nine hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and Grogu's fifty, if I remember correctly, in the in the original episode they mentioned that i'm trying to remember it's been something a very like long that. time yeah. something like that he he is yes he's 50 um so he's referenced to being 50 and you're expecting some old dude right and then you see this little baby so i mean animals and i mean animals on planet earth like develop different at different speeds you know it's ages age and development is always a relative thing so maybe the you know maybe uh, maybe yoda yoda's race just uh takes a little bit longer to develop that's it i just i bring it up because they he spars or whatever with that uh other apprentice uh mandalorian and well he's you know he, he if he's too young to talk he's too young to fight i'm like kid you're probably gonna be like a full-grown <laughs> adult before this kid's ready to talk so <laughs> i wouldn't worry too much about it um true so it is cool. Um, I'm curious kind of to see what's going to happen moving forward. I would assume he's going to continue to go on wayward adventures with his now adopted father, uh, Jen Jaren, and who is now taking contract work for the New Republic. We think Moff Gideon is dead, and now... We, of course, know that Thrawn is going to be the main antagonist of the Ahsoka miniseries. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm excited if they it does really feel like they kind of in this last episode went back to the roots of like the idea of a Western, uh, you know, putting up his boots, uh, putting up his spurs, uh, hanging up his spurs. Is that the? the the colloquialism um you were in western years man you tell me (laughs) um but yeah i like the idea that he's like he's got a plot of land he has his kid he's now taking work where he needs where where he can decide it isn't something that you know he's going from paycheck to paycheck type thing it seems much more Mm -hmm. of like yeah i can i can decide what i want to do which i really like and i feel like we're going i'm hoping we get back into that western saddle riding uh cowboy riding off into the sunset type stuff where they do get to have that fun of you know the the clint eastwood you know standing there quick draw type stuff which was which was good i liked it i think this ending is even if they ended it here it's nice it's it caps a nice little story i feel like so if we don't get any other mandalorians as sad as i would be i do think that this ends on a very nice wholesome note of hey mando's got it he's good grogu and him are now got this little plot of land and they're going to do work when they need to do work it's okay don't worry about it din (laughs) yeah you get to see carl weathers again he's running his town he he did get his marshal. They brought IG-11 back, except now he's IG-12. Um, so it's 
like I said, everything, like they took back Mandalore and they got the Great Forge relit. Everything is neatly wrapped and we're in a very good spot. And I don't necessarily mind that. Um, that's, you know, that's just kind of Star Wars. Sometimes we go back and forth between everything is great uh, and everything is not great right now. Um, I just wish we had found a more compelling more tension filled way to get there as i said you know we we kind of just this was familiar terrain if you've seen really anything star wars related before um so fun but you know familiar like pizza like pizza <laughs> which is not a bad thing um anything else you wanted to touch in episode wise i don't think really um uh i think it was all very interesting i did want to talk about really quickly you said you weren't on social media um so in like the like last two episodes or whatever i saw this like huge fan thing come up where people were talking about like who's the spy who gave them away and like who's going to be the betrayer and all this stuff and like fan yeah. theories flying around yeah, yeah and yeah. what Lindsay and I, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I, I, there must be, and this is my, I didn't do any further research because I'm apparently one of those people. Um, and I, I, had, I thought that it was a, like a thing that had been brought up by, I don't know, like Filoni or something like that, or Favreau. Um, and I just assumed it was a thing that there was a spy. And then there, there isn't, there isn't really a spy, at least as far as we can tell right now in the season and i was i felt like i was like i was waiting for that reveal to happen and then it didn't and then i was like oh did it was just that's something the internet made up to be like explaining a plot point of like how that one lady knew about the mandalorians bonding together or whatever and i was just like oh well she could have just it's like rumors just could have spread like that could, it didn't have to be a spy like okay chill out internet um but i was waiting for that reveal and it never came and then i was like oh that was not disappointing but <laughs> a little misleading maybe given the yeah. name of that episode yeah i guess i mean i don't know yeah i, I mean yeah i don't know it's just kind of odd i think at the end of the day um while at favro i think has done a lot of good for Star Wars and adding to the canon. And I feel the same way about Dave Filoni. They are very much creators in the style of George Lucas Star Wars. And that can give us, you know, some really great original content that we haven't seen before. But it also can waver back into, you know, let's go with what works and what's going to make, you know, the kids happy type of content and that's you know for better or worse that's just kind of what star wars that's where they've always operated it in so we try and look for these intricate plot details and you know try and pick these things apart and make them mean something they're not or hold them to a higher standard when at the end of the day it's already accomplished what it's set out to do and we're uh, <laughs> we're, we're just kind of setting ourselves up for disappointment. So that's not to say you shouldn't, you know, want Star Wars to be as good as it can be. 
that's just the Lucas model. And it's been that way for a very long time now. So I don't see that changing anytime soon. I mean, true. And that, I mean, Hey, it fits with the pizza model, man. Like kids love pizza. Yeah. Kids go crazy for pizza and kids also buy toys. So let's make sure there's lots of new toys from this yeah. star Wars entry. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I wanted to touch on was I saw a TikTok or a Facebook post or a video on YouTube or something that talked about the disappointment with the, um, with the ships, his new ship, the Nibu, uh, fighter uh redesign and the the what was his old ship the um the uh it was the bubba fett style ship the razor crest the razor crest there you go yeah uh people i, I saw someone was like complaining about like how the razor crest felt like his home it felt like his horse that he was like you know saddling up on and um riding out into the sunset and doing all these things. And then this new ship uh, wasn't as like, it didn't really fit the theme. Also like where did Grogu's little floating ball come from? Uh, there was some sort of magical tunnel that allowed him to go from where they, uh, from where the droid was to the, the flight chair. Um, also that definitely uh, Din is going to be waking up with some, serious neck pains from sleeping in that uh flights uh cockpit like that and i kind of get what they were going at where it just didn't feel like the same thing it didn't feel like his entire like you know his life was on the in that ship he was consistently going places where he could get to easily and then like just camp out and i in hearing that i was like yeah i could kind of get that but i do really think that them keeping that ship sets up the homestead much I think that really sets that as a location and as like a meaningful point in his story is that he didn't have the racer crest. He was riding this fast horse around doing his gunslinging using, you know, Western ideas. And then he got this homestead. And so now he can just use that horse just to ride out fast and come back because he's going to have a home. So that was just a nice like image type thing that I saw pop up because somebody else pointed it out and then i was like oh this is like a nice little button on the end here i mean if you think lego isn't going to re-release the razor crest and his new ship and multiple variations for a hundred dollars a pop you haven't been paying attention <laughs> so yeah merchandising as they said in Spaceballs. yes exactly <laughs> well that's all the thoughts I have, really, Jesse. Uh, you know, watch the show if you love The Mandalorian. I mean, watch it if you just enjoy Star Wars. It's great stuff. Yeah, I, I would definitely still recommend it. You'll have a good time, and you'll probably come back to it at some point. But in the meantime, you'll be waiting for, you know, Ahsoka to come out later this year. Unless you've only been watching The Mandalorian, in which case, again, we apologize for the confusion at the beginning of season three. That's not our choice. <laughs> yeah. But uh, perfect. We'll wrap it up here. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Hit the Reel, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. Uh, we try to get this podcast out weekly, usually on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays. Uh, 
other times, other days of the week, depending on how much I'm doing that weekend, which is uh, a lot this coming weekend. So, uh, but if we got anything wrong or missed something, um, a story beat that you think is particularly uh, important to Grogu's life, uh, please let us know at hitTheRealPodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hitTheRealPodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, feel free to take a look at our Patreon in the description episode. We'd love the support. And like always, hey, keep it real. Keep it real.